0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The podcast, where I bring you the best and the brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. My guest today is Gwen Whiting, the founder of The Laundress. Gwen graduated from Cornell's Cornell University's Fiber Science Textile Apparel Management and Design Program, there has to be an acronym for that, and worked for over a decade in fashion, retail, media, and design, namely spending a bulk of her time about five years, a senior designer at Ralph Lauren. Gwen would eventually start The Laundress in 2004 along with her partner, Lindsay Boyd, using her insight and creative vision to innovate the dirty side of the fashion world by focusing on improving the stale laundry industry. The Laundress, which would eventually be acquired by Unilever in early 2019. Awesome. And Gwen and Lindsay still operate The Laundress from the original headquarters in New York City and continue to innovate and expand their focus on their global premium eco-friendly line of detergent, fabric care, and home cleaning. And there's a ton of rich experience and wisdom to cover here, so let's dive right in. Gwen, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Adam. Thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. We have our technology set. We have our microphone set. We are good to go here. So let's start. So why don't we just bring my tribe, you know, up to speed. And I love to understand where people's initial initial passions come from. You know, my daughter, you know, I see it in her right now with her creativity. She's eight and a half years old. She has an element of design. You know, I get her aesthetic. She's big into that word aesthetic. She picks out what she likes. When did it really start for you? When did that passion into the fashion industry come about?
1: Well, I was always creative as a as a child and, and crafty, I would say. I was I couldn't get my hands on enough. You know, I got a doll, I didn't want to play with it, I wanted to cut their hair or do their hair or dress them or whatever. Um, but I was really more into not dolls, but anything knitting, I learned how to knit when I was four with my grandmother, needlepoint, craft anything that was tactile and um, had a, a result, you know, results oriented. <laughs> um but i was never that classic artist talent so in arts you know in art class there's like the drawers and like the talented ones you know making beautiful paintings and that was not me um and it was i was frustrated because i i had a vision that i wanted to execute but i just didn't have that paper to pen execution but i could create tangible things
0: you could make, make things
1: I could make things, kind of
0: like a, a science lab, trying to figure things out and and, <laughs> yeah. and 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 make it happen. And when you when you when you got into high school, did that continue? Did you take any fashion classes? I know they're offered.
1: Yeah. So I I actually sewed in high school. Um, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking about this this morning. Um, my when so I did gymnastics as a child. So whether when I wasn't in the gym, I was tinkering around trying to create interesting things on my free time. Um, and my, my childhood gymnastics friend, um, really inspired me to take that craft to, she was actually sewing clothes that were amazing and wearing them in high school. Um, and true story, this she's, she's quite a notable person. Her name is Kia Tomlin, who is the wife of the Pittsburgh Steeler coach. Um, so she was my, really my, my inspiration. I could take a creation at home that was wearable and, and fashionable, um, and so that led to, um, in high school, I was taking, I took classes at FIT and it was summer classes, oh, excuse me, um, Sunday classes, weekend classes, taking the
0: train in and
1: taking the train in. felt cool going into the city. Yeah. yeah. But my mom was driving uh, me. She was like, I wasn't even allowed you're to now out on the train. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is actually before that it was direct train from, from where I lived in New Jersey. Um, but anyhow, you know, taking these classes and, and in retrospect, putting myself in incredibly uncomfortable situations, I did this fashion illustration class with, you can imagine, all of the tri-state kids who were talented at fashion illustration, which I was not. But I was putting myself in this situation so I could hone this skill for pen to paper, you know, work to take you to the next level of actually creating. And I look back at that sketchbook. I still have it. And it was like so bad. I was like mortified. But like I did figures. it. I did it. <laughs> Um, and that, you know, fast forward, I applied to Cornell. I, I also had a, a tie business in high school too, where I made neckties cause we had a dress code and it's, it started as gifts and then it became high demand and everybody wanted one. And so launching a necktie business, which, you know, actually paid for my, my first computer. So Look at that. It, there you go results. Yeah. Um, and then I, I applied to Cornell, early decision, and I got in, which was a bit of a, a stretch. And, um, and from there, I, there is an acronym. It's TXA, although it's been rebranded like three other times. It's a mouthful. I, I mean, it really is. <laughs> it's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. But I, I, my major was apparel design. But I, you know, because it was a liberal arts school or, you know, I, you know still an Ivy League school, you had to do economics and all of the sciences and everything that went with it, right. which included fiber science was part of my program. Um, but I also knew that I had this design creative core. But I knew that I needed to monetize on that. I wasn't going to be, you know, the sketcher making beautiful sketches and, you know, this that creative zone. It was really like understanding, you know, creativity and and commerce and how those two came together. Um, I also had the opportunity my senior year in high school to do an internship with Ralph Lauren, mm. which parlayed into my future career. Um, But I really padded my curriculum with anything business-oriented. I took marketing. I took entrepreneurship and enterprise at the Johnson Business School was sort of like the grandfather of entrepreneurship and wrote my first business plan in college, which I actually used that book to write the Laundress business plan later on. Um, But but knowing really how to craft this um, subconsciously, craft a future of knowledge that I knew that I was going to rely on and and go back to
0: so you always kind of had that that in you that entrepreneurial spirit you had the business mind but you also had a bit of self-awareness much early on that you weren't going to be quote-unquote the next fashion designer but you really understood the business side of it plus the creativity and that got your wheels spinning so you graduate cornell and you had the in with with ralph lauren which is fantastic there and so your first job you know um senior designer for five years What, what was it like you know to work with one of the most you know renowned fashion houses in the world and what were some of your favorite experiences and learnings from that time?
1: I mean I, I call it the University of Ralph Lauren and I say you know I didn't quit I just graduated and and there's so many amazing graduates I call them from you know Ralph Ralph U. Um, It was just an incredible time and an incredible company um, and I really was exposed I have mentors my my core mentors still today are from ralph lauren but i was exposed to talent and and the resources and you know leadership and just this grand exposure to so much creation where you're whether you're creating a runway show or a home you know installation or you know a store opening. I mean, and I was exposed to many of these different facets um, in the business where I kind of bounced around a little bit before I ended up in, in home design. And it was just incredible to see a collection of people and a collection of vast talents come to create a single purpose. And it wasn't a, a single fact, you know, and, and really kind of taking that village mentality of aggregating and culturing, you know, your, your team um was incredible and
0: what do you think it was that core thread of culture that well pun intended you know what was that thread of culture that kept that made Ralph Lauren a special place where everyone felt you know connected and and part of that common goal you
1: know it was it's like the Kool-Aid was really strong but we all had you know it was a very concrete vision so we all knew what the vision we were getting towards and we all knew what the deliverable was and everyone really bent over backwards to make that happen. You know, it was like, the stories are insane. It's like, if this team should have been in like heart transplant. The way they business. get things done. The way they got things done, <laughs> like hoops and, you know, whatever. I love it. I love it.
0: And, and and I assume back then, you know, during that time also, you were able to physically get your hands on so many different materials and understand how they're made and how they react and how they mm-hmm. adapt to, to environmental conditions and and stains and weather and usage is that where you kind of got the first bug that there might be a better way of cleaning from you know traditional dry cleaning and laundering throwing things in the washing machine where, where did that where did that spark come from
1: you know it's it's funny because i actually found a college term paper i wrote senior year 1998 called are you being taken to the cleaners I'm actually, I actually have a picture to post on Instagram of that paper, which, you know, this is what happens when you keep copious files. Yeah. You find things like this. Remember we wrote things
0: on paper? Remember that? I know. <laughs> I
1: know. It was really funny. Um, but so so back, apparently, I was curious in, in in college, you know, my senior year, I did a paper and I went, I remember going to the dry cleaners and interviewing and asking why this was dry clean and why the women's shirts were $8 and why the men's shirts were 2 Fascinating. And, I don't know,
0: even know why that is
1: because it's, it can't fit through the machine the women's shirts Fact. um there it is um so you know and and the, the it's crazy because the entire paper is essentially verbatim what the laundress mantra and 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 information manifested it's the manifesto it talked about what fabrics can and cannot be washed and why we're all dry cleaning and not laundering and you know it's hilarious but this, apparently, back you know in the archives, I was thinking about this, which I didn't recall when you know 2002. I'm like, you know, I really need this this product to deal with my Ralph Lauren wardrobe and you know living in a six floor walk up with no laundry room in the building and um, hand washing in the sink or taking all my you know my washables. To New Jersey on the New Jersey transit to my mom's. <laughs> Carrying a bag like a hobo room. on the train. Uh, yeah, on the like, the-
0: yeah, that doesn't work.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, the fluff and fold around the corner, you know, having, you know, the sheets and the towels and everything washed with bleach every time because, like, I was terrified of that communal machine, disgusting. And then watching all of my sheets fray from all the bleach, which is what happens. It's a lot. Too it's, much a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. So all of that sort of manifested. Um, at, at you know, while working at Ralph Lauren, and I was. Driving in a town car as we did back then. Pre-Uber, um, I remember that. Pre-Uber, remember we had like the, mm-hmm.
0: we had to get like the uh, the vouchers, and you had a one-eight the
1: vouchers. The, the
0: vouchers, the phone number, no, you pe- had to call it in to one-eight caramel and all the other ones. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like getting paid, you know, minimum wage, but taking a. Town but I got car a town anywhere. car. I remember, like <laughs> I my first job,
0: car. I was making like thirty-three grand in advertising. But one late night, I took a town car back to Long Island. I felt like a king. Yeah, literally. you're
1: like I made it. I did I it. Made
0: it. I roll up in the town car, I'm like, anyone see me? I'm in the town car. <laughs> uh, totally. The good old days, Gwen. The good, good old, days. old
1: days. So the town car ride, we're chatting. I'm talking about my laundry conundrums, and I'm telling telling him this is my boss, Calvin Churchman, um, about this concept, and you know, making products that you could wash, you know, your jeans and the cashmere sweaters, and get pit stains out and all this stuff. And he turns to me and he says, "Gwen, it sounds like the laundress." And from there, um, I came back to my desk a couple weeks later and he had left me, uh, taped on my monitor, a photocopy of uh, the co- a course list from the learning annex. Um, and he had circled the course on how to start your own laundromat. So, and he offered to pay for my class actually, which I said, no, 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 I can, I'll pay for it myself um, beyond generous. And I went to a class on how to start a laundromat Not exactly what I needed, but but it was a foundation.
0: It's foundation. It's it's a foundation.
1: Get a notebook out and start pen to paper.
0: And and how did we start to get into like the scientific formula and the and and, and developing the product and the brand, like the actual physical products?
1: So from from the laundry class to um, getting together with Lindsay and saying, I have this idea, it's in law, you know. She had the same pain points where she was dry cleaning like hundreds of dollars it's a, a week with her, for you know, with her wardrobe for her work at Chanel. It was a fortune. It was insane. It was co- The dry cleaning was costing more than the actual sample sale prices or discount prices, believe it or not. Um, so from there, uh, I, I, I reached out. I sent an email. This time I was using Ralph Lauren email because I didn't even have a personal email at the time um and i reached out to this woman named kate obendorf who was a professor um dean at everything at phd scientist Mm -hmm. at cornell i had never taken any classes from her because she actually taught phd students who were creating like fibers for like heart valves um not like undergrad design kids (laughs) um and i reached out to her and i said you know i you know I, i don't think you remember me i didn't take any of your classes but um you know my you know lindsay and i were both undergrads and we are working on this concept of making detergent and fabric care and we would have all of these um you know conundrums that we would like to address silk and cashmere and pit stains and all those things and she says great of course i remember you come on up and and that was the invite to go back to campus, go back to Cornell, work with her in her office, and do a crash course detergency chemistry class over a weekend.
0: And that's where you, that's where you learned everything—the art and that's science and fabric care. And was 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 the name a slam dunk? Was it? Was, did that have to be the name? Was it the name from the beginning?
1: You know, it it was the first name that was that was thrown out, and we did kick around um, some other ideas Um, but we ended up always coming back to it because it was just like the right thing where and and we were very aware you know in between 2004 two and four when we launched that development process was that while we were two young girls women um, developing this brand for traditionally a female consumer we came from luxury brands we did not want to have a a, a bottle or a brand or a product that felt gender specific we didn't want to feel girly we didn't want it to feel like only women would use it so the design and the packaging is was from a luxury principle where premium. You don't look at Chanel and think, Oh, only that's so feminine or right. that's it's, so g- it's
0: gender. It's gender neutral. for the most only. part. If it's you,
1: general. Yeah. Even correct. if you look at
0: Chanel number five, if you look at the perfume bottle, like it's not overly feminine, it's, it's, st- it's stoic. It's classic design.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was really the angle of not wanting to alienate our audience. So we, you know, we were always sort of questioning laundress, the, but the laundress is historically the woman doing laundry. And that was a fine benchmark to use and while the packaging could could offset or complement not feeling alienated for you know a global consumer Makes, makes
0: total sense So let's talking about you know you have the product now I'm sure you had to you know raise some capital to, to figure this out Where did you go first did you go to, did you go to friends and family Did you scrounge up a couple of bucks?
1: Raising capital is, is a very generous term for what we did. We had, you mean we, asking
0: for money, quote unquote. We had a,
1: we had a we had a for profit uh, cocktail party, All
0: for right. profit
1: fundraiser, which is also hilarious because if we just stuck with that model, we could have like founded a uh, GoFundMe or or crowdsourcing instead. Funny how that works, right? Funny yeah. how that works, but um, we had a for profit party, which we invited. Anyone who would show up—friends, uh, family, coworkers, boyfriends, ex-boyfriends, dates—anyone—and it was very modest. It was like thirty dollars for a couple-hour cocktails um, at a, a bar that we used to be called Cafe Rosso, which is now Cafe Clooney on the corner of the street I lived on, 12th Street. Um, and that that launched us. I think we had generated about five thousand dollars. I just actually just found the book where we logged every single person who gave us money and sent thank you notes Um, and that really gave us the seed money to even afford to go to cornell to even make photocopies all weekend at kinko's um, after we sort of exhausted the free photocopies on campus um you know and just we had nothing we had we were living off pennies and fumes to begin with um so our fund our official funding Uh, came from the SBA, which did an SBA loan, which um, I worked personally with uh, an advisor at Baruch College where they had a little SBA, Small Business Development Office in the campus. And it was open to the public. And I worked with an advisor who helped, you know, finesse the numbers and the spreadsheets. That was all made up. I mean, it was all total... Just to
0: make it work.
1: Fictitious, just Just to make it work. Just to get that cash and and we got 100,000 dollars from the HSBC which apparently they don't really do anymore. <laughs> you need to have like product launch in business. I have
0: one. I got one. I got one during this time. Yep.
1: But I think you have to have like
0: a an actual a, business a launch
1: first, yeah. an actual business, not then like seed a seed
0: round, yeah, an idea. Seed. A, cr- a, cr- a yeah. kernel of idea. So now, yeah. now you're flush with cash. now it's time time for the next steps right like how do we how do we make this how do we go to market what do we do with this right you know what's
1: so yeah so that that first that 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 money went towards our production so in our business you have to produce and there's minimums so you have stock Mm -hmm. and then when you do the stock then you got to sell the stuff um and then you have to have money so you could reorder more uh so it was this constant constant hamster wheel of um cash flow inventory cash flow inventory yeah exactly but where did those initial sales
0: go and where did those initial sales come from like how'd you hit the market how'd you get the word out like was there an early buzz you know how much of your experience and connections did you leverage there
1: so old school we launched at a trade show um and you know we walked away with 10 clients and it was a diverse portfolio we had a client in a store in the uk we had or lavender and lace, and I think Alabama. You know, we had like, but we had ten, and we had ten orders to ship to. Awesome, and that and that was the beginning. And then Lindsay leveraged some of her clients um, that she had with Chanel. So on her lunch break, she she bullied someone into taking us at Bergdorf. So there you
0: go. And and, when, <laughs> and what was that you know moment? Things start to pick up there, and you're like, holy shit! Like this is real. Like this is real. We are. We have a great product we're getting great reviews there's real sales coming in what was that what was that moment when, when maybe you looked over at lindsay and you're like we're doing this this shit's real
1: <laughs> yeah the real the real factor came when we did take those pennies and hire a, a public pr agency in the very very beginning and um you know the, the the power of media was much easier then because there was less of it you know people read the paper people read real simple. They read the magazine. It wasn't the like,
0: Instagram influencers it, it out there. It wasn't. It like bombard- wasn't
1: Yeah. Yeah. What well, you weren't bombarded with it. Like there was some key placements, and you got a lot of eyeballs and people reading it. And um the first big placement, obviously, like the the mothership of placements, was to be in the New York Times Style section. And that placement came out while I was still at Ralph Lauren, and you know it was you know it was like amazing that's like oh my gosh we're we're real this is like to be in the sales section was amazing um but i there was a woman in in a meeting that i was in that day that monday it came out on sunday and she's like when i saw you on the new york times and i was like of course you're the one who's like bitter and jealous that like i'm well, doing, doing this, this meanwhile work hours, yeah. yeah meanwhile everybody else is is high-fiving and super excited but i did get called out for my moonlighting at the time
0: in, in the end you do what you gotta do in life you know you, you, you do what you gotta do There's, but, the
1: side hustle was not in my uh contract right the side hustle
0: wasn't now so so fast forward success is picking up and you know the sales are, are starting to come in what was one of the most challenging elements for you and Lindsay as business owners with, with the with the quick success. Well the rapid success.
1: There was nothing quick or rapid. I mean it was a slow grind for the 15 years between starting and and the acquisition.
0: Hey Tribe, real quick shout out. I'm really excited to share with you a podcast I recently discovered called The Art of Excellence. The host Glenn's does these really engaging deep dive interviews with people who have achieved extraordinary success across all walks of life. He's interviewed business leaders like John Mackey, the founder of Whole Foods, and has also interviewed well-known thought leaders like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Deepak Chopra. He's interviewed Scott Kelly, the astronaut, another guy who's a top Hollywood stuntman, and so much more. And Glenn has an insatiable curiosity and does a great job of bringing these people to life. You can find it at theartofexcellence.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check it out. Thanks.
1: There was... It, there was nothing to speed because then we also had the financial crisis, you know, bless us in the middle of that. Um, but how we survived was we had the three legged stool. We launched, you know, like, let's go back in time to 2004. We launched with a website yeah. with a Dot e-commerce, 1. Yeah. Web 1. Which, mm-hmm. which, you know. Amazon was still selling books practically at that time. So let alone someone shipping a liquid detergent was insane. Um, it just wasn't done. Um, but that was our, that was the only way we could reach, you know, a, a, a you know, national audience. So we could get these, you know, these PR placements or the articles in, in these publications and talk about laundering and be these laundry experts, which we were and which the people really wanted to learn and it was a real need. Um, but but they would say, oh, what, what national retailer are you in? And we're like, we're not, but we have a website that anyone can order from. So that was a huge leg up. Um, and very early on in the e-com space, we also sold wholesale, so we were at stores. Um, You know boutiques you know nationwide as well and then we also were international and it was very quick for our international development because the idea of laundering versus dry cleaning was not foreign in europe and um in asia we were really quick to to be picked up started in japan and then korea follows japan and you know some of our really big markets um you know now it's china but that's sort of how that progression went over the years um but sort of having this three-legged stool with these three different businesses kind of kept us afloat. So we could, during the financial crisis, when every boutique was going out of business and not paying their bills and disappearing, then we could lean on our international markets that really brought us through. And, you know, the model of we had with them is that, you know, we could collect payables to produce and ship and, you know, it all really- all the cash flow. Yeah. It's just like, you know, kind of navigating creatively. Um how to, how to build and get through.
0: Was there, was there one of those moments, you know, maybe early on where maybe there was a critical mistake that you thought could have cost you the business or could have really taken it downhill?
1: Um, we, there was, there was like so many,
0: maybe something you second guessed on.
1: No, I mean, it was just sort of doing everything possible to make it to make it go. And, um, we did diversify our manufacturing pretty early on when we had a partner who was like not, um, consistent with, you know, wanting, you know, taking our orders, producing and payables. So, you know, early on, we diversified our manufacturing. So we had this constant flow, but what really goes back to everything is, for me is the relationships and building solid relationships. And I came from Ralph Lauren where I was demanding these ridiculous tasks from our vendors, you know, for them to stand on their head for a deliverable to make, you know, to make the installation and make, you know, Ralph's walkthrough, but they would do it not because they were even getting paid on time, but because you had this relationship and it was a personal thing. And so I, i took that very seriously and knew what you know how important having that relationship is and and building our vendor relationships are so personal um and being honest and authentic and having that conversation of saying, you know, I can't pay. I can't make this payment today, but I know that I'm going to be getting a payment next week and you're going to get it. You know, having these honest conversations and building trust is gets you so much further than like preachers. dodging or I mean, it's that's not a way to do business. Being, being
0: upfront and transparent, even when something maybe even when it's not what the other person wants to hear. Is critical. it it, it just sets the stage for and and i want everyone who's listening there to really take a point of this i mean gwen and i preach this it is the foundation for success it all comes back to relationships so let's let's fast forward how did the acquisition with unilever come together how'd that come about
1: so you know we we opened a store and it was sort of the last tick of the the business plan of
0: of Brick, brick and mortar
1: Brick and mortar of goals, and um, you know we we were on shelves and we were online and we but and we had some some a store that was built in Japan, but nothing was our actual mothership destination, and so it was still this outstanding item that we really wanted the world of the laundress created that someone could come to. And really experience and see, feel, smell, learn, all of that, wash,
0: the vision. So you really felt like that physical presence was missing. You had everything else. You had a product. You had sales. You had customers. But you didn't have... The the feel, because it wasn't, it was a brand, it was a touch.
1: Exactly. And, you know, and our original business model was really developed off of these early brands of the early Bliss Spa, where Mm -hmm. there was one spa in New York City on 57th Street, where you could get your body butter or bath scrub, but you could have that experience in your, you know, in your apartment in Paris, you know, in Japan, anywhere. But there was one destination to have that real experience so that was still something that was missing and um so we you know and everyone's like don't do retail it's a whole other business model it's a suck you know it's it's marketing it's marketing money it's your ad money um but i built the store again going back to my Ralph Lauren uh, friend, Rolodex of talent and leveraging, you know, all those amazing people who built Ralph Lauren stores and, and all the components for that. Um, but that was, uh, I'm a little, I guess like five years ago. So the, it, we kind of just had this like hair brain, you know, kind of like, oh, we're sticking the fly paper out and we're expecting someone to like walk into it we never really expected someone to walk into the flypaper. However, that's basically what happened. Some guy from Unilever came to the store, asks where where I am. And you know, my sales associate like calls me and she's like, Gwen, um, there's someone here from, I think, Unilever. I, I think you need to come down right now and talk to him. And I was like, oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> well, all right, let's so uh, see where I this said, goes. Can you,
1: pa- can you pass me the phone? You know, and I'm like on the phone with this guy, I'm thinking, you know, what are you just having a shop? Like you're buying some things, taking photos. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I think we should take this conversation out of the shop yeah, floor. Yeah, not on the, not on the like, store
0: floor. Mm-hmm. Offline. Good idea.
1: Offline. Good idea. Good idea. So that was a bit kooky. But he, he was there on a mission to um, bring us in for a meeting. So that's the fly so they yeah they
0: you put it out to the universe and 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 it came through and 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 was that a was that an easy decision without getting into the financial side of it you know did was it was it was it a no-brainer or was it one of those you really had to think about because obviously you're giving up a ton of control I mean correct me if I'm wrong they're not a ton of. you're definitely giving up an element of control and and you're you're giving
1: you're you're giving the baby over I mean I don't own that baby anymore and it was very much my baby um but Having said that, the original business plan we expected to be exiting in five years. I mean, this was. So you have to go back and look at the
0: initial. I mean, plan. it
1: was like that was the the heyday. I mean, Bliss Spa had been acquired, you know, three times over, and you know, uh, Estee Lauder was collecting brands like for breakfast. You know, this was sort of the pre pre crisis. You know, every niche brand was you know hot, hot, hot. So that was our expectation. That of course our little niche, you know brand would, would be on the same hot ticket. Um, and then the financial crisis happens and, you know, everyone, you know, the kind of a reorg of, of everything and um, which luckily we, we managed to succeed through and thrive through. But um, so, you know, now it's, it's 14 years, you know, we're like, okay, this is, you it's know, time. The, you know, we, I was actually surprised that it was Unilever um, because they had got rid of their entire U.S. home care division um, a number of years ago, but they got back in the game when they acquired seventh generation. And when seventh generation was acquired by Unilever, I felt like I was like left like that. My prom date ditched me because I always wanted to be acquired by seventh generation. That was my dream. Um, so it ended up now we're cousins.
0: It, 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 it it works. And, and, and how did that change your day-to-day management of the brand and the company? Did you, did you remove yourself? I mean, how, how much are you, you know, still involved in the day-to-day basis?
1: So, um, you know, we're approaching the end of my two-year contract this month. So it has been an incredibly interesting two-year journey. Um, so, I'll leave it at that.
0: (laughs) What's next for you? What have you been thinking about? Do you want to stay in this world? Are you taking a a timeout, sabbatical shift? I mean, there's not many places we could go right now. Soon. (laughs)
1: Um, It's been an interesting process, actually. It's been a very interesting process to... um, you know, be sort of handing off the reins, and and I, I spent two years really training and mentoring and harnessing and sort of handing over, um, you know, as much as much information, as much mentoring and learning as I can to our, our key team members that are most relevant to what I do. Um, you know, and so I'm I'm just sort of. I'm not out of it yet, so. Um, but I'm I'm a creator at heart, so I'm not worried about that.
0: That's exciting, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the un, it's, a little
0: bit of the unknown. What's going to happen? What are you going to do? And but but now you're in a different position where you've you've succeeded, and you know the ups and downs, the trials the tribulations, and you can take all those learnings to the next phase.
1: Yeah, and I expect uh, I won't have to. Um, grind it out as hard as I, as I have used every single muscle group in my body so, so, all these years so
0: going, so going back to that you know if if you were you know on a zoom call right now i was about to say in person you know with a with a recent grad coming out of you know fit or or the cornell school who was looking to get into that fashion industry you know 2021 what advice would you give this young fashion entrepreneur to really help you know him or her make it in this new world
1: You know, I have these conversations quite frequently, actually, Um, and I actually I actually feel bad for for how much content and how much information and how overwhelming it is. Right. You know, with all these resources and every book and podcast and you know, just so much information. I mean, when I was, my, my, aside from my Cornell business plan book, I had one book on, on business structure that I read on, on the Stairmaster at the Equinox on Greenwich Avenue on like, do I want to be a C-Corp or S-Corp or LLC? You know, that was like the extent of uh, reading I did on business structure, Um, you know, where you could read yourself to death and feel that, you know, you're just not prepared enough. So I really, so what, I always advise is you know really you have to make a list and you have to have your your check boxes and your to dos and all the different avenues you need to to organize whether it is you know a marketing or a connection or a cash flow or whatever that list entails um, and stay focused on that and if you get stuck. Then you go to the next one because it will still be there waiting for you when you go back and and really networking and leveraging as many resources in you know have conversations don't just listen and read yourself to death but have conversations with people because everyone actually likes to talk and help out for the most part right. i mean I didn't meet any person that said no i'm not gonna have a conversation with you um and really having exposure and learning and hearing different things of, you know, whether it, you know, will teach you the, the right way or the wrong way, but it's so helpful to just keep focused and not get, you know, like the young people now are so obsessed with Instagram and followers and how am I going to like, I go,
0: you
1: don't Short need term. a follower, you need sales. You need sales. You need people to buy your stuff. You need stuff to actually sell before you worry about followers. Um, So just really keeping focused and compartmentalized on the goal. If it's you need a product, you got to work on the product and you got to figure out how to sell it. And then all of that fluff will, you know, surround it. But it's really about where you're going to see, you know, where you're going to get paid from.
0: That is, that's very sound advice that you give. But Gwen, let me ask you this. What's the single best piece of advice that you have ever received that you take action on every single day of your life?
1: I knew you're going to ask me that. I wish I was given some magic advice, but I really wasn't. Um, all I know is that I got everywhere with real, true grit, and and my energy driver is really hard work. It's dedication, I'm it's devotion, deal. it's discipline, and you know, and from gymnastics background is like using every muscle to get there to move.
0: That's I mean, I I tell everybody that it's work, you have to put in the work. Of course, there's hacks out there and shortcuts, but they're, they're they're only going to get you so far. And it'll be a house of cards and, and it'll crumble at some point, you have to put in the actual work. And, you know, what would you say is your is your is your true superpower? Right? Like, what would you say that makes you just, you know, special in who you are?
1: you know I I'm a creator I have a creativity to life and I use that creativity in every in every element from problem solving to my interests to traveling friendships, earning jobs all of that I mean all you know applying that creativity in all these elements is, is really sort of my I think my superpower
0: I love it and when travel opens back up, where's the first place that you're going what's the first place on your list?
1: Well um <laughs> i've been i've been keeping it moving where wherever i can so where it's been uh safe uh i've been so i was just in colorado last week and um having some adventures i hadn't been on skis since uh in like 25 years so how you do you know the Dep- the muscle memory is unbelievable and the powder
0: out there is forgiving for the most part you know, you're talking west coast it's <laughs> I've never, I've never had that
1: experience. I gave up skiing after twenty, you know, twenty-five years ago on my last crappy East Coast experience. I said no more. No, East
0: Coast, East Coast is brutal. Do it to you. And you know, I'd, I'd love to ask, you know, if you could leave us with a personal silver lining and a professional silver lining from the last twelve months. I mean, I can't believe we're talking about it. Like I, I remember, it was like yesterday, a year ago. And it was when you started to, to hear, month, like, right? oh, January, there's some <laughs> virus happening over in China. And we're like, ah. It's fine. We hear about these things all the time, and now here we are in January uh, of 2021. But I'd love if you could give us a, a personal and professional silver lining.
1: I mean, the professional silver lining is that everyone's sort of there's been a global domestication of people. Um, so everyone, you know, knows now what laundry is like and clean is like and how important it is, and you know whether you love it or hate it. Um, you know, sort of. Embracing that, and and for for the laundress, making it a better experience. Um, and the personal silver lining, um, I mean, just some while well, we're you know, it's the typical like you know, been estranged but c- harvesting other unique relationships that I didn't have before. I love it. Like I've been very close with my neighbors, which has been really fun.
0: Hey, listen, you know, get you get closer with your with your neighbors. I mean, you're. Finding new relationships and interests and, and people that are close to you that you never were before. And it's 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 totally fascinating. And last but not least, yeah. Gwen, you know, you, you look back on those early days of the laundress, those you know, those long nights and those countless hours that you put into it and you had to look back and you and Lindsay had to really reach down deep inside and you had to harness that tenacity to pull you forward and you had to have that focus, that compass. And then right now when you're in the final couple of weeks and you know, it's it's the end of this journey and on to another one, and you want to show gratitude and just grateful for everything your success and everything awesome you have in your life. Gwen Whiting, what is your North Star?
1: It's it's integrity and purpose. And, you know, all that all goes together with the authenticity and the honesty. And if you just have that you know front and center then that takes you to the right places
0: i love it gwen thank you so much for joining us today i appreciate it
1: yeah thank you so much adam
0: and everyone could find more at the laundress.com and gwen what's the best way for folks to connect with you and find more
1: oh on instagram um uh, gwen l whiting
0: awesome and to everyone listening thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Please be sure to follow us on all the social media channels, thepozcast.com. For more, remember, take care of each other, stay six feet apart, wash your hands, and catch us next week for another great episode of The podcast. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search the podcast on linkedin and to catch up on past episodes and more info please visit www.thepodcast.com